It's Taco Tuesday. And for me, that actually is uh that actually is um pretty relevant because I work in a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> so what do you know? How you doing everybody? It's Noah Hooker here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Off the Hook, where you get your daily dose of reality with me. Um, today, we're going to kind of be talking about a couple of things. So I got some football topics and some uh, wrestling results to go over with you. So we're going to kind of jump right in. Let's go. It's a lovely Tuesday evening. We're going to talk about some NFL. Speaking of the NFL, COVID and the NFL, big topics, big things going on. Players have been arriving to their facilities here recently, and there's been kind of a cry out for a contingency plan. So speaking of, Russell Wilson actually tweeted the other day to the NFL and the NFLPA asking, what are the measurements and the procedures going to, what, what is going to happen essentially? Well, what's the dealio, man? What's the what's what's the haps, Roger Goodell? Um, I'm pretty sure that he knows that for a majority, the NFL is going to try to take care of everybody. But recently, and reported today, uh, actually of the ESPN News, Dan Graziano came out and said that NFL players agreed to daily COVID-19 testing for the first two weeks of training camp. The first two full weeks of training camp, which means they have taken a step closer to kind of coming onto an agreement and to realizing the safety and the precautions that need to be taken in order to get this whole ball rolling. Obviously, we're not going to have fans, but we really do want to have the sport. The more sports we have, the more distractions we have, and just kind of the better time. Also, they need to make up for all the money that is going to be lost due to no fans and the ticket sales. So, for the first two weeks of training camp, COVID-19 testing, Um, if everything goes below the level of 5% per se, um, everyone just reaches out negative and there's not more than 5% positive, then they're going to try to dumb it down to every other day or every three days for testing, which would be a lot better on everybody's nostrils. And I'm sure they would appreciate that too, because they already got to kind of run through some hoops and do a lot of different challenges these days. Or this year, I should say. So that was Dan Graziano of ESPN. Um, the Associated Press Sportsnet. The Associated Press of Sportsnet came out today, and uh, I thought this was a cool little article kind of talking on Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett, uh, 11-year veteran, retired today. He is a Super Bowl defensive end. He was in the 2013 Super Bowl with the Seahawks. So went on that really killer run. Speaking of Russell Wilson, um, he is a three-time Pro Bowler. He is a 34-year-old. Um, he played for five teams and was an integral part, like I said, in that Seahawks run, being a defensive end for their NFL championship. Like I said, he's been playing for 11 years. This was his 11th year this year. He has close to 70, and yes, I said 70 career sacks. He has 69 and a half sacks. He has 10 career force fumbles, so that's a crazy career stat line for you. He was drafted in 09 to Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers. 
And a fun fact for you, his brother also played in the NFL for the Patriots and the Green Bay Packers. His name is Martellus Bennett. He was a tight end. So fun fact for you. More siblings in the NFL to go around and around. Capping that off, though, with the NFL discussion today would have to be another retirement per se. But this one's a little bit more tricky because he retired and then unretired. And then we saw him practicing on Twitter. And then we saw videos of him throwing with Cam Newton. And then we saw him throwing videos with Russell Wilson while he was wearing Raiders helmet and Steelers padding. And it was all kinds of kerfufflement and questions to be asked. But really, with Antonio Brown, when are there not questions to be asked? So, yes, AB84 Antonio Brown has retired today. Uh, Came out on Twitter today and actually announced his retirement. Along with his retirement, though, plus, and wait for it, dropping an album. Not a mixtape, not an EP, but dropping an album. He has a hip-hop slash rap album that he is dropping along with his retirement news. So if that doesn't scream, you know, sign me up and listen and take my money, then I don't know what. If you're into that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's going to be on Spotify, Apple Music, and all platforms if you're into Antonio Brown's music. But what I'm more into is watching him play football. So hopefully... Maybe somehow possible, if he can get help, he can maybe get possibly reinstated and we can see him play for one of these great organizations. But until then, I think that it is a cap on Mr. Antonio Brown's story. And that is quite all right, because so far he's had a pretty great career. Getting down to the nitty-gritty. Guys, if you know me, or if you don't really know me, which I'm assuming you know me if you're actually listening to this because we haven't really developed that big of a fan base yet. Let's get serious. <laughs> but you know I love me some wrestling. Oh, Schnook loves him some professional wrestling. Um, my dad got me into it since birth. It has been our bonding mechanism since then. And I just thoroughly enjoy it. Um, It's kind of crazy these days. So speaking of wrestling, we got to talk about what happened this weekend. So this weekend, this past Sunday, we had the horror show at Extreme Rules, which is the monthly pay-per-view for this year's July. Um, Usually it always changes each year. It'll be in the summer sometime. Most of the time it's usually in June or April. This year, it just so happened to be in July, right before the usual SummerSlam big pay-per-view that happens in August for WWE. So CBS Sports kind of came out with an article by Brent Brookhouse and Adam Silverstein, and it was just some recaps and some reactions. So what I'm going to go off is based off of just their article. So if anything's briefing, it's off their debrief, so I can give them credit for it. But it was... um. You know, I like you've heard already before, I'm a pretty big optimist, but I was not a humongous fan of this show. I know this show was a complete setup for all of the marks and honestly uh, a, a stepping stool for SummerSlam per se. So what you had was, we'll start off with the kickoff show. The kickoff show consisted of KO Kevin Owens versus 
not your buddy buddy murphy um they had a nice little fun sprint probably like a little eight to ten minute match um it was it was good um it was definitely good ko got the win there um seth rollins and buddy murphy are you know have been running amok on monday night raw here recently if you pay attention or watch any of the weekly programming essentially seth rollins has gone full-on cult leader and his follower buddy murphy has been bugging and annihilating every every good guy on the raw roster that's not the world champion so kevin owens kind of had to put that Stunna on that boy, so KO got a dub there. Um, transitioning, we had Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, the artist, versus The New Day. The New Day are eight-time tag team champions, and they came into this at Extreme Rules. This was a tables match, and the premise of a tables match is just like it sounds. You have to put your opponent through a table in order to be victorious. And it was a nice little match. I wouldn't even call it a fun sprint. It was just a nice laid out match for a tables match. Um, There's a pretty big stereotype that you can't have a great tables match per se. But I thought this was one of the best ones I have seen in honestly five or six years, if not longer. Um, The ending spot was awesome. Very, very huge high spot. Dropping Kofi with a powerbomb from Shinsuke and mainly Cesaro from the top turnbuckle. On the outside from the turnbuckle through not one, but two tables. And it was really, really, really cool. So, I am happy to announce that Cesaro and Shinsuke are your new tag team champions for SmackDown. So, if you're into that, check out on Fridays. You will see them. Definitely hope that it's going somewhere. What's next for New Day? Um, The only thing I could say my reaction would be is that Xavier Woods has to be bound to be coming back at least at SummerSlam time. If not, his injury might be making him rehab a little bit longer. But I would say that since he tore his Achilles, shoot, it's got to be over 10 months now, or 10 or 11 months, um, he should be coming back. And that's honestly what they need. They're not stale by any means, but they need something to freshen up the act in order to go in because uh, Cesaro and Shinsuke are your new champs now. So we got a little Rob we will probably have here. So, ongoing, we have getting into the first women's world championship match. Your role model, Bailey, with that beautiful Karen haircut she has, retained against the Scottish whatever she is. She's crazy, or acts crazy, but uh, Nikki Cross Nikki Cross got beat. Bailey retained her SmackDown Women's World Championship uh, due to some help from Sasha Banks, or distraction, I should say, from Sasha Banks. Bailey then put on Alexa. Oh, wow. Alexa Bliss. Definitely not the goddess. Um, Sasha Banks put on her boss ring, gave her the old bang, boom, Mike Tyson in the stomach, and got Nikki distracted and hurt for Bailey to put on the finisher for her. So. The Karen haircut prevails. Ongoing, we had, goodness gracious, even reading this on the piece of paper and on the prompt is hard for me to think about. And it's been weirdly in my mind because this eye for an eye match, the first ever of its kind, at least for, yeah, I mean, yeah, first ever for its kind, between Seth Rollins and my childhood favorite, Rey Mysterio. 
Great build to this match. Um, kind of didn't know where it was going at some points, but really was passionate and the fire behind it was awesome. So, you know, you had this great build and this great booking up to the match, but the booking at the end of the match was just so reserved for an eye for an eye match. I mean, this is supposed to be the horror show. Um, they can do cinematic and CGI masterpieces at WWE, but all we really saw was some ping pong slash meatball looking thing barely sticking out of Ray's eye through his fingers at the result of this match. So if you heard what I just said, Seth Rollins did end up coming out victorious. Rey Mysterio lost an eye, lost an eye uh, per se. And so I don't even know where we go from here because Rey Mysterio has been working on a day-to-day contract essentially he is a free agent he's just been working pay to pay uh you know basically a talk to talk deal with vincent man so i don't know if he's gonna resign you would assume he would because his son dominic has been training with them under the performance center and he wants them to carry on his legacy so i would assume he would resign but you know we'll have to see where that goes obviously i don't think they knew that this was going to be the destination but Forever in storyline, we will have to uh, go with, you know, even though Ray's eye is okay in storyline, that uh, at one point Seth took out and gouged Ray's eye out. So that is definitely PG for you, right, Vince? <laughs> Transitioning, we got Asuka versus Sasha Banks, the boss. So I was very mixed emotions about this match. I don't want Asuka to lose the Raw Women's Championship. Sasha's not even on Raw, she's all in SmackDown, but because she shares the Women's World Tag Team Championships with Bayley, they can travel to any brand, as you would know if you pay attention to WWE at all. So, it would kind of make sense, but at the same time, for the storyline that I want to happen between Bayley and Sasha Banks, and I'm pretty sure the world's along with me with that implosion of that friendship, then you would realize that this match was also booked very, very strange. So you have your normal 10 to 13 minute banger, but then at the very end you book it so strange and by God, I just don't even know how, I mean, if it wasn't WWE, you couldn't even get away with this. So Bailey and them get the referee basically distracted and then Asuka puts the mist in her mouth blows the green mist on the referee whenever she's trying to shoot Sasha Banks in the eye, Sasha Banks ducks, then the ref proceeds to scream and roll all over on the ground because he has mist in his eyes, he's taken a beating already, and then Bailey just decides to rip off his referee shirt whenever Sasha Banks knocks down Asuka, and then they both hit her with the belt, and then rip Bailey becomes the referee, puts on the referee shirt, and counts the three count. So, as you could tell, I even had a hard time saying all that. It just didn't make sense. It's obviously leading to somewhere. It was leading to somewhere on Raw as of last night, but we don't really have the full picture. I think it's just a really booster rating with another title match, but I don't think Sasha's going to be recognized as this five-time Raw Women's Champion. So... We'll have to see where that goes. Uh, transitioning further, we had two more matches on the card. Uh, the next would be the World Championship, the WWE Championship for Raw. Drew McIntyre, the Scottish psychopath, 
his crazy ass defeated Dolph Ziggler in about a 10 minute sprint as well kind of like the kickoff but this one was pretty awesome uh Drew told Dolph that he could pick the stipulation for this match and Dolph didn't tell anyone or Drew until he actually got to the ring at the pay-per-view and it was extreme rules only for Dolph Ziggler which means that Drew could not get disqualified or do anything other than regular match participation, but Drew, uh, but Dolph could do anything and everything. So he pretty much tried to piss him off the whole match and hit him with weapons. But like I said, it was a 10-minute sprint. Drew pretty much dominated him, even with being at the disadvantage. So Ziggler's done for now. I'm sure he'll be pesty as he was on Raw, and try to get a couple more matches and or more antagonizement out of Drew, but it's cap with that. We're on to the next thing. We're ready for the next world title event and the next scene in the storyline. So here's the big deal. We had the Swamp Fight. That was the main event. Swamp Fight between Universal Champion of SmackDown, Braun Strowman, and his former mentor, Bray Wyatt, the Eater of Worlds persona, Bray Wyatt. Not for the belt, but a swamp fight. Going back to the Wyatt compound where Braun first was, quote-unquote, created by Braun Strowman. Excuse me, Bray Wyatt. Long day. And it was a cinematic masterpiece, honestly. Um, Braun was just getting messed with completely. He had to deal with a bunch of slackies he had to deal with lighting someone on fire basically you saw him turning evil as this was going on and abrupt um he even saw alexa bliss as his own version of sister abigail because they kind of did a cool callback i thought so to their mix max challenge days and whenever they would team up because uh fun fact braun Strowman and alexa bliss actually used to ride together behind the scenes and they're really close in real life so they did that little thing, which was pretty cool, and then it ended up with, obviously, Bray pretty much beating the crap out of Braun. Braun would have some grab backs and some uppercuts to throw back at him, but then soon Bray ended up getting into the swamp. They were wrestling each other, and then the mandible claw came out of nowhere, got Braun by the mouth, took him down in the swamp officially, and the only person that came out as the credits started rolling was the fiend as bray wyatt had put on the mask apparently underneath the water and so the thing in the lasting image we were left with is the fiend standing tall in the swamp as the show of horror show extreme golly that is just the longest title they need to do something about that we're not doing this again wwe we're not uh the horror show at extreme rules um that was all the results so as tough it was for me to say most of that, I honestly enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as the hype was for it. I'm honestly already ready for SummerSlam because I feel like that will live up to some of the storyline aspects that I'm actually wanting to see. Obviously, we can't have everybody at Raw and SmackDown right now due to the global pandemic. There's just not enough room for all the roster to be there at the same time, which means storylines are always changing, yada yada, bling bling. Um, but, oh, I actually forgot something. I just realized that it wasn't a match. It was supposed to be a match, but MVP basically awarded himself the new United States Championship because Apollo Crews was not able to show up. 
um, in storyline due to Bobby Lashley's full Nelson that he applied weeks ago. So Apollo Crews is a baby, apparently, and cannot take the pain. But in real life, I believe that he may have tested positive for COVID. So he is gone currently and was not at the pay-per-view or on the Raw before or after the pay-per-view. So that was the Horror Show at Extreme Rules reactions and results. And we're going to slowly, slowly transition to the outro. Well, guys, this has been our Tuesday show. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in again. Or if you're a first-time listener, thank you so much. Please, if you're listening on Anchor or Spotify, hit that follow button, please. And if you don't like it or you don't necessarily get or are interested in anything that I'm talking about, tell your friends, tell your family, um, you know, trying to get this word out here, trying to spread some love, trying to spread some knowledge. Uh, maybe you can just have me on in the background of your everyday life and I'll be your knowledge to and or your... um aspects and the stuff that I like because you know maybe you're into that kind of ish I don't know but once again thank you so much for listening this is the off the hook podcast and we'll see y'all on Thursday Kachuga